Welcome to Ports of Praise Online. This is a message from Pastor Clay Williams entitled, The Characteristics of God, from his Doctrine series. These next few weeks, we are going to tackle some of the questions that you have, uh, that you have been asking. I want to just go over just a list of these questions real quick, and, uh, and then we're going to begin for the evening. Uh, here were some of the questions that you guys submitted a few weeks ago. Uh, the first one, does God ever limit His foreknowledge or His power? Okay? If, and basically what this question refers to is, does God see into the future? Does God see all things? Does He know what's going to happen 100 years from now, 2,000 years from now? Uh, if that's the case, does God, ever, does God ever say, well, you know what, I'm not going to look, basically, is what this question asks. Or, I'm not going to... I'm not going to uh, enforce my will in that situation. Uh, that's one of the questions. Are all our names already written in the book of life and then erased when we do not accept Him as our Lord and Savior? That was another question. Uh, another question was, uh, would you talk about the doctrine of eternal security or perseverance of the saints, which we lovingly refer to here in the South as, once saved, always saved. Uh, I'm going to probably need a little bit of help with this question, not tonight, but, but later, uh, if this is your question, just to make sure that I understand what you're talking about. Rocks cry out if we don't, so why have opinions but not willing to stand before the congregation? So I, I need to make sure that I understand that one when we go to uh, answer it. Uh, I may have misread it on the card, so... Um, fifth question was, my question is why we have so many religions and we serve... The same God. Now, I don't know if they were talking about religions or denominations. Probably denominations if they put serve the same God. I would hope not religions. But we can handle that one too. Uh, as a church, why we don't or don't we walk more like Jesus in our everyday life? Um, why does the here's a really good question. Uh, why does the world hate God? And then, why don't Christians love each other? Uh, another question, what does the Bible tell us about ushering in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Another question is, I know my opinion on the gifts of the Spirit, but how do I explain this to Christians who don't see them for today? Uh, another question, address cults and some of the mainline lies that have come into the church. There was a couple questions on... Uh, on the gifts for today. So we'll address that. There's some questions about church history in here. Biblical basis for purgatory. Uh, why are there so few common beliefs between Protestants and Catholics? Did Martin Luther really mean to split off from the Catholic Church or not? Here's another good question. All of these are excellent, but there's some of them that I think are hot topics for today. Uh, number 15 here on the list is predestination. Fact or fiction? And uh, is there proof either way? Um, so we will be addressing that in the days ahead. 
Let me skip down here. Why are so many books of the Bible written by Paul? Why not about why not more books written by other people? Do you think Jesus wanted so many books included in the Bible? Why add the letters written to individual churches? Why add so many of them? Uh, let me skip a few things here. Here's a good one. Uh, why go to confession to a priest and not just to Jesus Himself, which addresses the issue of the priesthood of the believer? Why does it seem that God likes to show up at church camps or church revival meetings more than at a regular Sunday morning assembly? And then there are some basic questions on church government, authority of the believer. Um, Here is one, if we do not get to it tonight, we will address it next week. And that is, can you explain to me how God can be a God of love and a, a jealous God? How He can be a God of love and a God of wrath? A consuming fire, even mentioned in some other passages. We'll actually probably hit this one next week. We may touch on it a little bit tonight. And then, of course, uh, we've got a few more on the gifts. So, anyway, here's our plans. Uh, What we're going to do with these questions, as we continue on, hopefully what will happen is your interest will be piqued and you'll be be, uh, stirred and motivated a little bit to think a little bit deeper and think a little bit more. And maybe you'll have more questions. So at any time, feel free to fill out just a piece of paper. We can make some 3 by 5 cards available to you. And ask questions as we delve into particular topics. Okay? Because our goal is this. We're going to take these questions, as you see, Pat has lovingly and graciously uh, typed them out on, on a piece of paper. What we're going to do is we're going to answer these questions. And we're going to put these questions in a booklet form. And uh, provide this for all the people in our body so that they'll have answers to commonly held questions. Because many of these questions, if you, didn't, if you didn't write it down on the card, somebody else in here might have. And, but you probably thought of the same question. Right? And so we can, we can address those things. And so we'll, we'll try to hit that, make that available uh, for you. Now, if you would, uh, to keep your, your energy and your momentum going tonight... I would ask that you would please stand up, and uh, we're going to read together two things. We're going to read the Apostles' Creed tonight. Um, We're going to connect with the historic faith, the historic Christian church tonight, by confessing what we believe about God. So if you will, please look at the screen ahead and read with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you will remain standing, next slide please. We're going to stand in order to honor the reading, the corporate reading of God's Word. Psalms 102, 25-27, if you'll read this with me please. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, 
and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear, wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. This is the inspired Word of God. Father, it is my prayer tonight that You would, by grace, and by the ministry of Your Spirit tonight, help us to convey the truth about who You are. My God, that You would help us tonight grab a hold of something, Lord, so that we may be solid, that we may be founded in Your Word. We love You. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I would ask that you would mark or make a notation of this passage and see if you can, Lord willing, commit this to memory. Uh, because this passage is an overview of what we are going to be dealing with tonight in talking about God, in talking about who God is. Now, we have confessed the Apostles' Creed, which says that we believe in God the Father. What was that next word? Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Did you know that there are some things about God that are different than us? That's pretty, right? That's pretty self-explanatory. I told you I was going to go deep tonight. But there are some things about God that are different. Now, there are some characteristics of God that are similar or that we share with God, if you will. So we're going to talk about this tonight. And before Don thinks that I have went crazy and lost my mind, let me explain myself to you. Next slide, please. So as we talk about the doctrine of God tonight, tonight we are going to focus on the character of God. Now, we will a lot of times try to explain the character of God in a couple of ways. Uh, we do it in what we call attributes. Okay? Attributes. Um, and we'll do it sometimes with the names of God to help us explain something about the character of God. Now, um, attributes means basically to describe as that which belongs. It is a characteristic, a trait, or a feature. Now, if I was talking to a Jewish audience tonight, I would probably not break down the doctrine of God like this. Because it is hard for the Eastern mind to look at God in separate individualistic categories. They want to view God as a whole. We want to try to understand, and so our minds think in such a way that we want to know, okay, what does God look like? What does He act like? What does He... Well, you know, and and a, a Jew would go, well, he's like a tree, like a tree. Okay, he's like a. We'll look at some verses in a minute. He's like a lion, kind of furry. What what do you, what do you mean? And for our mind, we have a little bit of a hard time understanding that. So, um, we need to categorize things, and so we need to discuss things many times in some type of coherent order for us. Um, so, in our discussion of God, uh, we're going to talk about His character. And in talking about His character, we're going to characterize His or separate uh, 
the attributes in two ways. Uh, next slide, please. When we talk about the character of God, we're going to first talk about His... Now, these are big words. Bear with me. You can write them down. Uh, we're going to talk about His incommunicable attributes. Now, that's a big word. Um, but it's really not that hard to understand. Um, Basically, incommunicable means those attributes that God does not share or communicate to others. Now, communicate is kind of a weird word because I'm thinking, you know, that he talks to me about it. No, what it means is basically the things that we hold in common. So basically, incommunicable means characteristics or traits that we do not hold in common with God. Okay? All right, so um, some examples of this. Uh, we're going to talk about, I don't know that, you know, of these three examples, I don't know that we're going to talk about any of these three tonight. Um, we are going to talk about independence. Now, I like the fact that we're starting with independence because for me, it's an issue of sovereignty. I told you this past Sunday, there are three things that define my worldview, my outlook on life. I, I try to, everything that I go through, everything that I face, everything that I experience, when I come to the Word, I, I see them through three things. Number one would be the sovereignty of God. That God rules and reigns over all things. The second thing would be the supremacy of Christ. That Christ is before all things. He is the head of all things. In, he has created all things. And in Him all things exist. That's Colossians 1. And then finally, I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit illuminates, that it breathes life, that it brings revelation, it brings understanding, that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. I personally hope that, that we would not understand God. We mentioned this last week. We would not know God if it were not for the ministry of the Spirit of God and God revealing Himself to us. Yes, we can see parts of God in nature, Yes, we can feel an inner sense of God. Even those who don't know God can have an inner sense that there's something greater than themselves, that there is a Creator. However, for us to truly know God requires the work of the Spirit of God opening our eyes. Several passages we'll talk about at a later time um, that our eyes are blinded. Our eyes are blinded. We can't even see. You know? Um, so, anyway, so we'll get to that later. But, so the meaning of the word share here is to hold in common. or um, and, and so it's those things that we, that we can possibly, maybe, we both could do together. Like, uh, if we look at eternality or eternity, um, let me just say this. While... While we are not eternal beings, we, we had a time when we were not. There was a time when I was not. Now, while we do not hold this in common with God, eternity, you can't necessarily say that we, at some aspect or point, don't, don't hold some of this. Because, while we didn't, we have a time in history where we came. Now that we're here, 
there is a part of us where God will, he will resurrect our bodies, right? Glorified, and we will live. There is an eternal part at this point because that's the part that's really we've been made in the image of God. So at this point, you know, we can see that there is a sense of eternity that we have going forward, but not going backwards. Do you understand that? Is that clear that you understand that? Okay. Um, so while we say that we don't hold this in common with God, we understand that that's not, we don't in its fullest expression. Okay. Um, unchangeableness. Uh, that's another one. God does not change. Yet. And while we change every day, there are probably some things about us that don't change. If you've been married for longer than 30 years, you can probably test to, my husband hadn't changed in 30 years, right? Come on. Just a joke. Um, and then, uh, so, so there is a little bit of that where we have some of our character traits that don't change. So it's, it's not 100%, but you understand the principle here. Um, now, omnipresence is one of those where, now nah, we, don't, we don't share that one at all. <laughs> Alright, next slide please. Um, so this is how we're breaking down the attributes of God or the characteristics. The second way that we can describe the attributes of God or the characteristics of God would be what we call communicable attributes. Which are those attributes which God shares with us or communicates with us. Those, there are those things that we hold in common. For example... Uh, love. God is love. Now, while we do not, we do, we are not the ultimate expression of love. We don't have, we don't live selfless love all the time. We can and do experience love. Um, knowledge, mercy, justice. Now, when we talk about um, these different attributes. You could probably mix them up a little bit. Well, you, you know what? I don't think we hold this one in common with God as much. Well, these are just categories to help us. They're not, they're not definite. They're not absolute, these categories. These are just, you know, a lot of people's just looking at it saying, okay, these are the best way that we see that we can categorize these things. You may want to put um, omnipotence in incommunicable, which means things that we don't hold. God is all-powerful. You know, we're not all-powerful, but yet we do... God does give us authority to mete out justice. Understand? So, we're going to put that one in this category. Alright, so you could probably break it down just a little bit differently. But uh, I just want to share with you that these are the two different categories that we're going to try to define these with, okay? Now, if we go to the next slide. Uh, when we talk about the character of God, we get into a lot of times uh, the names of God. And especially... In the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, what you will see time and time again is that a name is a description of someone's character. And uh, I'm trying to think of, of, it was Benjamin. When Benjamin was born, okay, uh, his mother named him son of my pain or son of my death. It was a real kind of morbid because, you know, it, it cost her. Okay? And um, uh, Jacob said, or, or Israel at this point said, mm -mm, you're not going to name him that. You're going to name him Benjamin. Alright? And so, 
he changed the name because he understood that the name represented something. Look at the picture of uh, Hosea and Gomer. Um, he said, I want you to name this one, not my people. What about the names of the people that were in um, the book of Ruth? Some of the husbands. Sickness and dying. Now, why, they, why a good old Jewish boy would let his daughters marry somebody named sick and dying, I don't know. But names represented character. So, uh, in a broad sense, here's what we need to see. We do, while we're Westerners, and we want to individualize everything, we need to understand that, and this is kind of an answer to the question about God is love, but yet God is just. God is mercy, but yet God... There are times, you know, we talk about God being God of mercy and love, but there are times when God talked to Saul and he said, you know, he said, I hear sheep bleeding in my ears. I thought I told you to kill them all. Babies. Goats. Right? Everything. Now, wait a second. How can God be a God of love and yet say, kill them all? Because we, a lot of times what we try to do is we try to pit the characteristics of God against each other as if one is an ultimate expression of God in and of itself. Do you, do you, okay. Do you understand what I meant by that or no? God is love. God is just. Sometimes it would appear that these two things would be opposite. However, they're not. You don't understand you don't understand God by saying God is love. You understand love by understanding who God is. Looking at the references. So many times we define, we go to the dictionary, we define love and say this is God. Justice. This is God. Mercy. This is God. No, 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 no. This is God. Okay? All of them. All of the attributes together. When we talk about and we see God's hand working and we see God moving and bringing judgment to one nation. And what about the times when He would send a nation to judge Israel and then He would judge that nation because they went and defeated Israel. But yet we want to understand it many times from our perspective and we need to see, and, and, and next week we'll get into this a little bit more, I'm actually going to have some um, just a diagram up here for you to see and get a picture of this. Okay? So, we'll try to make this just a little bit e more easily understandable. Um, but so that we can think easternly tonight, even though we're a western people, let me explain to you this. You don't just understand one aspect of God by looking at one of His attributes. Okay? So here it is. When we talk about God, God's name is equal to all of the things that the Bible has to say about God. Not just one thing. You got that? You with me? Okay. Um, let me, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 9, and we're going to address just a couple things here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, next slide please. Um, Jesus, in teaching His disciples how to pray, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now kids, uh, adults, 
folks, I, I want to explain something to you tonight. We've got a few things wrong when we talk about, when, when we describe the character of God, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, when we talk about uh, the commandments of God, the things that we've gotten wrong, I think, I think we've just misunderstood a few things. And I want us to look at something tonight. In Matthew 6, the very first thing that Jesus said when He was teaching His disciples, it's really not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. And so the first thing that we see here is, but when you pray, let me go down to the right verse. Uh, he says, do not be like them for your Father uh, knows what you need. This is verse 8, before you ask Him. And then He says this in verse 9. Pray then like this. First, eight words out of His mouth. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. The first thing that we need to understand about God's name is His name is to be honored. It is to be hallowed. It is to be kept as holy. You know, I wrote in, in the books and some of my things when I was looking at it, you know, God is holy, H-O-L-Y, and He is also holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y, other. He is separate from all things. There is none like Him. Now, in Christ, He becomes God with us. But there is none of us who can be like God. So, here it is. He says when we pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. What are we praying here? Here's what we're praying. May we and others speak about God in a way that is honoring to Him and that accurately reflects His character. I don't think you heard me. What you're praying is, you're not praying, Lord, may, may, I, may I believe and think that you're so fearful that I'm just going to stay down here and, and I'm just going to get in my little hole and I'm going to cover my head and I'm going to do all of these things. No. What it's saying is, may I live my life May I live my life to such a degree and in such an extent that what I say and that what I do gives honor to Your name. When you pray, our Father who in heaven, holy is Your name, hallowed be Your name, what you're saying is, God, put Your character. Give Your character to me, Lord. Give, give me that ability, Father, to, to, to act in a way that is pleasing, in a way that brings honor to Your name. It's not, Lord, I want to be fearful of You. There is a holy fear. There is an awe. However, but what we're saying is, God, may we bring glory to You. And, and this can be done words and action. You see, words are a reflection of what's in our heart. Remember what Jesus said? It's not what you put in, go into the man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of him. He says it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth will speak. So when you pray, Lord, hallowed be your name, what you're saying is, Lord, would you guard my tongue from speaking evil things that would bring disgrace and dishonor to you? Whether it's about my job, whether it's about my family, whether it's about my finances, whether it's about all things. You see, and, and Jesus said it this way, but see, our actions reflect the character of the one to whom we serve. 
And so we're so worried sometimes about our words that we get off track and forget about our actions as well. We're also praying here for our actions, that our actions would bring honor to His name. That's why I said to you at the very beginning, that's why I said it this past Sunday, what are the principles by which you're living your life? Are you living your life where you understand that the sovereignty of God, that God is over and rules over all things? Do you live your life that way? Do you, you know, we call ourselves Christians, but are we Christians? To be a Christian means that I understand that the supremacy of Christ, that Christ being the head of all things, that He can tell me to go and I'll go. He can tell me to sit and I'll sit. He can tell me to speak and I'll speak. Jesus understood this when He said, I only do the things I see the Father do, and I only say the things I see the Father say. Jesus was God, yet He humbled Himself to submit Himself to the will of the Father. How much more can we, or should we, sinful, wretched people say, we need God. We need to submit ourselves to the will of God. Because when we submit to the will of God, then guess what? We get to perform the ways of God. And I'm telling you, we need to be a people and a church and a place to where we are so surrendered to the will of God and hearing the heart of God that we can see the ways of God accomplished. If we want to impact our schools, if we want to impact our workplaces, then we've got to get more surrendered to the supremacy of Christ. Because let me tell you something, if you understand what it means for Christ to rule supremely over all things, then what you will understand is that it will create radical sacrifice in your life. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said, You let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And then what did He say? And then delight in you? Brother, I appreciate you getting the word. Sister, I appreciate you getting the word. I appreciate you doing this for me. I appreciate... God sitting up in heaven going, Is that why we do what we do? No. He said, Let them see your good works. So that they may glorify God. You know, it sure does feel good though for somebody to come up and tell us, I appreciate you. And you know what? We want to do that. Because it takes a spirit of humility for us to say, you know what? I appreciate you serving. And I appreciate you doing those things. But the ultimate desire of a heart must be that we bring glory to God. That's why. Men, we talked about it on Sunday. We need to lay our, our lives down for our wives, not because we have our own agendas, not because the things that were in our heart are important, but so that God may be glorified. I'm praying that, that the next one to two years, God would raise up a women's ministry out of this church that would be unlike any other, not because we would be lifted up or exalted, but that women would be so hungry for the Word of God, they would be so desirous of the things of God, that they would see younger women, and they would feel compelled by the Spirit of God to train them, to love them, to minister to them, and they'll see that as their purpose, as their, as their God-ordained, and they'll know that they know that they know that they know what they're supposed to do. I pray for the men in this church that we could become so real and so understandable that we'll understand what it means to be a man. And we'll understand what it means to lead. To lead with honor, to lead with integrity, to lead with a heart that desires to please no one else but Almighty God.
that we'll have a youth ministry that will again honor God, but honor God in such a way that it's not exclusive ministry. I mean, we raise kids up and we try to teach kids and we try to impart into children's lives, but yet, why do we have a challenge when they get 13 about coming in here on Sunday morning? I know it's discipline. I know it's other things. But you know what? They've got to be a part of what we are doing. They have got to see themselves serving Christ. Whether, I tell you what, little uh, he's not in here, he's not little either, but I called him little anyway. But little Austin, big Austin, this young man faithfully serves Christ just about every week in this church. And I thank God for Austin. Because there's something in his heart that God will use. And there's something about him that God will use to convict the rest of us when we fall short. May God give us more Austins. So, we pray, hallowed be your name. Um, Exodus chapter 20, the next slide please. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Uh, you all know this, uh, this commandment. It says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now here's where I may move your apple cart a little bit. It, 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 to say this, to say take the Lord's name in vain, we think so many times that it is simply when we're sitting inside and we go, Oh God. Or when we use when when someone uses a curse word after the name of God, that 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 in its entirety is not what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. You see this this command. Look at your screen. This command is one that says we do not dishonor God's reputation either by words that speak of Him in a foolish or misleading way, or by actions that do not reflect His true character. Let me hop on my soapbox for just a minute. This would be giving to God or ascribing to God things that He didn't necessarily say. Well, God told me to do this. Well, God told you to leave? Okay. What's God telling you to do? I don't know. Why are you ascribing to God something? I mean, because we believe in the gifts, a lot of times it becomes very subjective, the voice that's in our head or that's in our spirit. And we want to ascribe to Him. Be careful, folks, the things you ascribe to God. Be careful, folks, the things. You get up on Sunday morning, listen, if the Lord gives you a prophecy on Sunday morning, you know, you better be very careful that, you'll say, that you say, thus says the Lord. And pr- really, I'd probably prefer you just to give the Word. Because in, New Te- in the New Testament, what you see is, is that you give a Word and the people judge it. It's not, it's not, thus saith the Lord. Then that, whoa, wait a second, are we writing scripture here? I mean, do we really know? Be careful. Be careful. Be careful to make sure that we honor God's name. And it's not just in our language, folks. It's not just in, in the use of different curse words. It's, it's not just in, in being very flippant with the sacred things. Because we don't want to do that either. But it's also in, in giving to God things that He didn't ever say. Or it's it, by actions that do not reflect His true character. My kids, we, got in, we had a discussion the other day. Um, and uh, my youngest was saying, Dad, well, 
So, so where do we get the name Christian? I said, well, son, it's very interesting. I said, you know, Christian actually wasn't, a, wasn't really a nice word. It was them mocking us because the New Testament church wanted to look like Christ. They wanted to talk like Christ. They wanted to act like Christ. They wanted to smell like Christ. They wanted to wear the same clothes as Christ. They probably had their own clothing brand back then. Just kidding. And so some people said, oh, look at those. Those are little Christians. Those are little Christs. Look at them. (laughs) You're bad. You're stupid. You're just following a man. You don't have any original thoughts on your own. That was the original thing. But how many times do we take God's name in vain by claiming to know Him and love Him, respect and honor Him, but yet we live in a life we live a life that's contrary to that's contrary to what He said in Scripture? Really, right? So be careful with that. Um, so as we're talking about the names of God, what are some of the names of God? Uh, or even descriptions of God found in Scripture. Um, I have a list. We won't turn there. I'll just I'll just quote them to you because there's a, there are a lot of them. This is from the book "The Doctrine of God" by a guy named Herman uh, Bavink. and what he does is he gives a long list of such descriptions of God that are taken from creation. He says God is compared to a lion in Isaiah thirty one four. An eagle in Deuteronomy thirty two eleven, a lamb in Isaiah fifty three seven, a hen, uh, the sun, the morning star, a light, a torch, a fire, a fountain, a rock, a hiding place, a tower, a shadow, a shield, a temple. Need we go on? Because he's also called the bridegroom, the husband, the father, the judge and king, a man of war, a builder, maker, shepherd, physician. He's also spoken of in human terms and actions such as knowing, remembering, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, sitting, rising, walking, wiping away tears. He's also seen with human emotions, joy, grief, anger, love, hatred, wrath. Even though God does not have a physical body, according to John 4, God is a spirit. Him we worship spirit and in truth. We see that God is given... Uh, uh, human-like characteristics in that he has a face or a countenance. He has eyes, eyelids, ears, nose, mouth, lips, tongue, neck, arms, hand, finger, heart, foot. Um, they, he, they even describe God with personal characteristics such as good, merciful, gracious, righteous, holy, just, and many more. Now see, in the, in the West, we want to ask ourselves, now which one is it? <laughs> I understand the lion, but why a hen? I understand the sun, but why the morning star? A torch, a tower? All of these things, as you look through the Word and you find those things, okay, as you look through, what you see is you see different aspects about God that simply tell you How you know God. See, God is a shield. He's a buckler. He's a light. He's a fire. He's a flame. He's a hand. Then it talks about in the New Testament, He's a friend. Sticks closer than any brother. Wow. What does all this mean? 
That means that ultimately on this earth, we will not know all there is to know about God. It takes all of our words to describe how good God is. It takes everything we've got to try to say, okay, I can kind of get a picture for you. Heaven, the picture of heaven in Revelation, that's not a full descriptive picture. They're trying to make, they're trying to do the best they can with the words that we have of the beauty of heaven, and it doesn't even come close. Can you imagine? It's hard for us to imagine water so pure that you can see for miles. It's hard for us to imagine a sky so blue, a sun so radiant. That you can be anywhere in heaven and you can turn and you can look and you can see the sun because He's lighting up everything in heaven. Now wait a second, there are going to be a lot of folks in heaven. How are we going to see it from several miles away? There's so many things about God that we, that we have yet to realize, that we have yet to know, that we've yet to understand. And so we put some in these terms. God is so good to us because He puts them in terms that can help us. Think about this, folks. He puts them in terms that can help us understand something that we can wrap our little small minds around. God loves us so much that He's going to talk about Him having a hand so that when I need help, I understand that He's the hand. He'll pick me up. Or that I can understand that He is the um, he's the morning star. <sighs> what about when he describes himself in other terms like he's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. What does that mean? That means that he has had no beginning or no end. He is the, he is the one who has been here before all, will end all, and is all in the middle, and He is there for us. He is the strength for us. He is that which has created us. Think about this. I'm thinking about my day, and I'm thinking about my life, and I'm thinking about my week, and I'm thinking about my business, and I'm thinking about my job. And I go, Lord, I don't understand why things don't work out. And He says, Did you forget who I am? This is temporary. This is temporary. You know, when I don't love you the way I should, when you don't love me the way you should, you know why? It's because we're so bogged down in the temporary that we've lost sight of the eternal. You can be mad at me. You can be upset with your brother sitting in here, your sister sitting in here. But guess what? God is bigger than all our problems. But yet, we so many times don't want to go to Him who can help us figure out how to overcome our problems. And maybe we just need to realize that, guess what? Our problems don't mount up to anything anyway in light of the goodness and the glory and the greatness of God. That's why Paul can say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because while it hurts to be shipwrecked, while it hurts to be stoned and beaten a bunch of times, while it hurts to have all of these things, in reality, <laughs> it's nothing. You know, I, I, I had this thought the other day, you know, we... 
you begin to look at God and the doctrine of God, the characteristics of God, and it gives you a new perspective of that of the passage that says, greater is He. I can understand greater is He, but then He goes on beyond that and He says, who is in me? Then He who is in the world. What does that do? What does that say? It says that this limitless, life-giving, time-altering, all-powerful God has given Himself selflessly to us. Not so that we can be like God or God, but so that we can overcome our temporal situations to see that His goodness transcends all things. Now, if that won't make you think different about your kids not calling, your your you know your wife mad at you, your job laid you off. If you could just get there, it'd help. Because greater is He. See, that in and of itself is phenomenal. But then He says, "Who's in me?" Glory. So, why so many names? Next slide. Well, because all of creation reveals something to us about God. All that we know about God from Scripture comes to us in terms that we can understand. And I love this one. (laughs) You know what they show us? That God will show forth His glory through diversity. You know why I'm glad that we're interracial, intercultural church? It's because the diversity that God brings when you have more than just one race or one culture. You get to see a touch of God in their culture. Yes, there's some fallenness in both our cultures, but you see a touch of God in the flavor of God, in the love of God, in the understanding of God, in the nature of God. You get to see God's glory that shines through diversity. Just when we think there's one aspect of God that's good, I see a little aspect of God that's good in my Hispanic brothers. Just when I think that I've seen it, man, I find some Chinese brothers or sisters and I see something about them and I say, whoa, I see just a touch of God in them because God has shown Himself glorious in and through them. When we talk about God, though, we we must be careful. When we look at analogies in the Bible, we must be careful because you got to be careful with analogies that you don't take analogies too far. Okay, so when you read a metaphor or when you read something where it says God is like, take it at face value within the context of that passage, and then you got to leave it alone. Because when you begin to stretch things beyond what maybe God intended, you come up with a little bit of a morphed vision of who God is. So you've got to be careful. Okay? You know, a lot of times we'll begin to... And here's just an example. We'll begin to talk about... I don't know, you know. Maybe we'll talk about one characteristic of God, how it's seen in the bride or the bridegroom. And what happens is if you're not careful, you'll make an analogy based on what you think about brides and bridegrooms 
and not based on the context of what God's trying to reveal to you in Scripture. You understand what I mean? When God gives you an example, there's a purpose for it within, within the reading that's around it. Find out what that purpose is in the reading around it and, and, and lay it out and leave it there. Don't keep going, well, okay, alright, here we go. I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna throw this at you real quick. I know there's a lot of discussion about Song of Solomon. I know there's a lot of issues with Song of Solomon. My opinion on this book is my take on it. My take on it is that it's not it's 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 not really meant for a picture of really the church and God. That's my take. Okay. There are some things that we can see from it. You've got to be real careful with that, with, that, with that book of Scripture, that passage. Um, I think, the way I see it, I look at that book and I go, okay, it's a handbook for married couples. Before we ever wrote our own sex books, God had one. He said, the marriage bed's undefiled. Read Song of Solomon. It's going to talk about love and passion, and romance, and stuff that we don't like talking about in church. But they talk about in the Bible. So, I would say, approach it with caution. Okay? You approach Revelation, approach Revelation with caution. Okay? Just approach it with caution. Look at, look at the context, okay? And, don't, and, and be careful, okay? Um... We got a lot of good songs out of that out of that book that I've heard, especially lately. We just need to really be careful with that book, what God intends there. So anyway, I'll leave that at that one and we'll talk about that next in February when we talk about love. <laughs> and it's not mixed setting, right? With kids. All right. Because <laughs> my kids back there will be going, Dad, gross. Don't talk about that. So what's the goal? Next slide. What's the goal? Uh, as we learn about God's character, our eyes become opened to see all of His creation correctly. Isaiah 6, 3. One of my favorite, just, I got a lot of them. This Isaiah 6 is, is just phenomenal because he's talking about his experience with, with the pre-incarnate Christ. I believe this is Jesus who showed up to Isaiah. And then he says, the whole earth is filled. The whole earth. We could probably get on the piano and sing and play this one line. The whole earth is filled with His glory. You see, as we learn more about God, our eyes become more and more open and understanding that the, the revelation begins to come to us. Because the Spirit of God will illuminate His Word. So, this is why we're looking to understand God. And the character of God. This is why we're talking about it. There's a goal in mind here. Because if we can understand the character of God, then our eyes will be open to more about, okay, then why did God do these things? Why does he behave in this way? Why should I behave in this way? Because God does. Okay. Um, so, we're at a 
interesting point now. We, we can move into the first attribute. I don't know that that's wise. Um, maybe we can do an intro to it, and that will help give us a kicker for next week. And uh, um, I got five minutes. Let me just let me just explain to you the five incommunicable, incommunicable attributes of God. I'll just give you an overview of them, and we'll start on them next week. Okay. The first one is what we understand as uh, independence. Independence. And I'm going to encourage you to be here next week. I'm going to encourage you next week to, if people that you know have ever asked the question, well, if God does not need us, if God is independent, if God is able to, if He is able to take care of Himself all by Himself, then why does He need us? If you've ever asked the question, why does God need me, or does God need me, Next week, we will address this question in the understanding of the doctrine of independence. Okay, Um, We're going to talk about unchangeableness, how God is unchangeable. And uh, in everything that we do, we're going to give qualifying statements for. Okay, Um, So, because while we see that God is unchangeable, has God ever changed His mind? That's an interesting question. Has God ever changed His mind? He has several times. So what does that mean? If we say that God is unchangeable, but yet He has changed, what does that mean? So we're going to talk about that. Um, We're going to talk about the eternity of God. Okay, God existed before all things. What does that mean? We are going to talk about the omnipresence of God. And then finally, we're going to talk about the unity of God. And when we talk about the unity of God, what we're going to talk about is how is it that all of these things that we're saying about God, how do they all help us understand who God is? Rather than, I understand God is love, you understand God. See, here's the thing. There are some people who love the Old Testament. Okay? I love the Old Testament. I know know my dad does. Not quite sure where Don's at on that. I mean, but there are some of us that love. Uh, it's almost like we really just have a passion for the Old Testament, and then there are some that have a that have a love for the New Testament. Well, here's what happens: is you almost get into this debate between those who really love to study the Old Testament, those who love to study the New Testament, and it's almost like when you're talking about God, if you're just reading from the Old Testament perspective, man, you get a totally different picture of God than you get from the one in the New Testament. So wait a second: did God change all of a sudden? Did God go through midlife? I mean, is there somehow a midlife right there? Well, we're going to talk about that. So again, we're going to come back to the question of that was asked. <laughs> you shook your head. Uh, is we're going to come back to the question: How can God be just and how can God be loving at the same time? How can the, how can a God be a God of war and a God of love? We're going to try to draw that picture for you. Okay. So I would encourage you to come. I'd encourage you to be here. I'd encourage you to invite other people that have had these questions. And so we're going to address these. The following week, we're going to address the attributes that we share in common uh, or that we hold um, that are similar to what God has. So I encourage you to be here. I encourage you to stick with us. So pray with me. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to come together tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to learn about you, learn about your character.
So, Lord, we would ask, Father, that you would seal this thing in our heart, that, Lord, that we would be stirred, that we would be um, encouraged and motivated, Lord, to study your word. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.